0: Let's go ahead and grab our sermon handouts, grab your Bibles, we're going to go and cover chapter 6 today, actually we're not really covering the whole thing, we're just going to do 11 verses today, so we're going to do just a little bit because you guys got small groups tonight. Uh, We've been talking about evangelism the last few weeks, and we've really done three weeks on evangelism in the chapter, uh, chapter 5. And we started by talking about Peter, that he was called to be a fisher of man. And James is just going backwards. It's always nice. Uh, So Peter was called to be a fisher of man. And then last week, we talked about Matthew, and also known as Levi, who was the tax collector. And Jesus called him to follow him. And we talked about the whole fact that Levi, when he was called, he was all in, and he didn't hold back. And tonight, we're going to go into chapter number 6, and we will cover again the first 11 verses. And we will discover that Jesus had some issues not that jesus had issues but he had some issues with people or better people had issues with him and so we're going to see this because jesus was questioned in his authority and we're going to kind of see this and the people that questioned him were known as the pharisees does everybody know who the pharisees are it was a religious group of people and they were kind of the ones that made a lot of the rules and the laws and so they had some issues with jesus and they didn't like some of the things that jesus did because he was going against their laws, their rules, and their regulations. And so we're going to encounter that here in just a moment. But before we do, let me pray, and then we'll dive into verse 1. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you are here and that you're going to speak to us, that you're going to change our lives. Holy Spirit, I declare my dependence upon you. I need you tonight as always, and I want you to speak, not me, but you. So please speak through me tonight. Speak to our hearts and change our lives, and we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen amen all right let's go ahead and get started in verse 1 chapter 6 it says this opening statement of the chapter is one sabbath everybody say one sabbath, one sabbath. and we're going to stop right here because we got some stuff to cover before we can even go into it because we need to figure out what is a sabbath anyway it's a day okay it's today it's today are you sure yes totally okay as I saying it's today today is a sabbath okay it's actually a Sunday? Okay. What do you think, Rose? It's a day of rest. Okay, that's the best explanation right there. It's a day of rest. We can kind of go into, well, it's it's Sunday, whatever. Like, it's really, it's supposed to be a day of rest. So, perfect, you got it. You nailed it on there. It's, it's a day of rest. Let me explain this a little bit more, because what is really a day of rest? Because for, for some of us, a day of rest, you know, is different than for others. Uh, and, and we will just leave it with that. But it's supposed to be a day of complete rest, a day that was holy to God, where you wouldn't do anything secular, where you wouldn't do any secular work, where everything would just kind of be on pause for a moment, and you would just rest. Actually, the Hebrew term there means to cease and just to kind of be at rest. And it was supposed to be a day where the Jewish people would think about two things, and two terms specifically. One term was the term redemption. And the other one was the term creation. And you might want to write those two things on your handout: redemption and creation. Redemption in a sense of, you know, what God did in the Old Testament and for us, obviously, what Jesus did. And creation, obviously, when God created the whole world. Because the thing is, in the, in the Old Testament, starting in Genesis, God worked for how many days? Six. When, he, when he created the world. Six days. And then he did what? He rested, he rested on seventh day and so the idea of the sabbath in the new testament was that always remember it was god who created everything and then he rested so every time that you rested you were supposed to think about that and then the whole redemption aspect is that you know what we as the Israelites are redeemed in our cases obviously through jesus as we go further we're the ones that are being redeemed so in other words i put this on your handout in other words every sabbath or for us most in america it's sunday we are reminded that god created everything And that God gave his son for us. So as we take a Sabbath, as we rest, we're supposed to think about those things and think about, again, the creation and the son. By the way, is the Sabbath an option? Do you guys think it's optional? You're like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, let's see what it says. Actually, the Sabbath kind of made it into the top ten list of Jesus and of God, for that matter. And it's called the Ten Commandments. And in there, it says this in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy so let's put the pictures up there so that's the whole idea you know our grandfather's called a sabbath our fathers called it a sunday and we call it the weekend that's kind of how we do it but it's really supposed to be a day of rest it really is and then the other one that i had on there i just always try to find something stupid but i love this you know talking about monks because um talking about the ten commandments he's not too swift with most of the ten commandments but he does rest on sundays <laughs> that's good right i thought it was funny okay never mind some of you guys are not getting it at all but that's okay it's you know He doesn't keep any of the other commandments, but this one he got down. That was really the the point of this. Um, But we're supposed to remember the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. I actually did a full sermon on it while uh, back up front, and I'm not going to go back into it. But it was serious stuff when you did not keep the Sabbath. There was an incident in the Old Testament where someone would be picking wood, and they were not allowed to pick wood on the Sabbath, and they would literally stone him. So, I mean, it was serious stuff. Basically, they killed him right then and there. So again, I think it's a a big deal. Who is the Sabbath for? Is it for God? Or is it for Mr. Jeremy? It's for Mr. Jeremy. It's for you. The Sabbath is really for us that we can get some rest. It's a day of rest for us. How many of you guys think that resting actually is important? Now, let me ask you guys this. How many of you guys actually rest from everything that you usually do during the week and just take a day of rest where you remember What God did in creation, and will you remember what God has done for you on the cross? Anybody? Because the kind of rest that we're thinking is, we're thinking rest, yeah, playing video games all day long. That's what we think rest is. That's actually not really restful. It's fun, don't get me wrong, but it's not really that restful. I actually did some research on on secular people and just kind of see what they think about rest, and they actually call it a stop day or a timeout. And a lot of people would tell you, hey, it's good to rest. It's it's funny how the Bible comes up with a principle, and Jesus comes up with a principle, God comes up with a principle, and then the world all of a sudden says, yeah, this is a really good idea. Yeah, if you read the Bible, you could have kind of figured this one out a long time ago. But I got a couple of quotes on that I just found online that I thought was really interesting. So if you can put them on there for me. The first one, this is out of an article, and uh, it says this. The impact that taking a vacation has on one's mental health is profound, says Francine Leroux, a clinical psychologist in Los Angeles who specializes in stress and relationship management, which is really interesting. Most people have better life perspective and are more motivated to achieve their goals after a vacation, even if it is a 24-hour timeout. How many of you guys have ever been stressed? Do you know how, to, how you can overcome stress sometimes? By just taking a timeout for 24 hours. You know what I do when I'm really stressed and I can't work? I take a nap. It's, I mean It's like your body resets, and then you wake up after 20 minutes, and you're like, I can handle this. 4 hours? No, I mean 20 minutes. I mean a power nap. 4 hours is that's like that's a full night's sleep right there, not really. Um I don't sleep just 4 hours. That would be awesome if I could, but I don't. Let me read you something else here about rest and what people say that are not Christians. Yeah. Um this is just out of a really out of a full thing, but there was one that was really interesting in the end. You are so stressed that your stress even stresses you out. Have you ever been there before? Yeah, me too. You are overworked and overwrought, aching for a day off to chill and recharge, but you keep putting it off, which is most of us when we're really stressed, you know, we're like, oh, we're going to just get it all done. Uh, Well, no more. It's time to take a day off. We try to convince ourselves that feeling overwhelmed and stressed out and not having time to take a day off is normal, especially in the Atlanta area, right? I mean, we think that we need to go, 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 go all the time. You know, I love that the ladies today, the junior high ladies had a tea time and actually kind of just hung out for a little bit. Most of us, we are so busy, you know, I think it's good to kind of hang out with people and do something, but it's not normal, says Dr. Adam Perlman, Executive Director of Duke Integrative Medicine. It's just your reality at that moment. And I love that phrase right there. It's just your reality at that moment. And you know what, what we need to do sometimes is just to take a day off and rest to get everything back to normal. And if we don't, then we will actually burn out at one point. Um, there's companies right now that are actually considering going to a four-day work week. (laughs) Isn't it, right? It's like, that's awesome. Um, Why do they do that? Because they realize, science realizes more and more that resting is good, and when you rest properly, you're actually more productive. So in other words, it's not a bad idea to take a day of rest, even from school. If you work six days on school, it's not a bad idea to just shut everything down, not do anything, and just take one day where you're really focused on God. And when you do that, you're way more ready to go the next day back to school. Does that make sense to you guys? So how do I do a day of rest? Honestly, when I preached on this about a year and a half or two years ago, I was doing awesome at this. I mean, I was resting and everything was going great. Since I've preached on it, it's been just crazy hectic in my life. So this, the lesson there is when you're a preacher, don't preach on something unless you're ready for it just to totally mess you up. Um, but what I do when I do have a day off and I take it, I literally, I try to shut everything out. And when I really, succeed at that that's when I'm most successful the next week because I can really get some stuff done and I think it's really important that we rest. You're more productive you actually listen to God more when you're rested mm-hmm. Tying it all in with last week we're all called to be fishers of man, right? Yeah. you know what, you'll be most effective as a fisher of man if you're rested the times that I'm not is when I'm stressed because I haven't been resting, but when I'm resting, then I can actually hear and see what God is saying. Eugene Peterson said this about rest. If you don't take a Sabbath, something is wrong. You are doing too much. You're being too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when you are not doing anything. And I think that's really good. So this is the Sabbath. This was going on. Now we're going to dive into our story and we're going to kind of fly through this on one sabbath jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain rub them in their hands and eat the kernels now we look at this and we're like okay big deal it's not a big deal well for them it was a big deal because you had those guys that we know as the pharisees right the pharisees were always watching jesus and trying to figure out what he was doing wrong and it's funny because you were not supposed to reap you were not supposed to do any winnowing, anything like that in the field. You were not supposed to prepare food. And so the Pharisees looked at this. This is crazy. This is how crazy and legalistic the Pharisees were. They looked at what the disciples were doing, what we just read there, and they said, you know what, the plucking really here is, is, is reaping. The rubbing here is threshing. And the throwing a well would be winnowing. And eating would be preparing food on the Sabbath. So you guys are breaking the Sabbath. That's how legalistic and, and, and crazy they were. And then it says this in the next verse, if you can put it up there for me. Some of the Pharisees asked, and this is exactly what we just read, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, actually, it wasn't unlawful. They just kind of added things to it. And they they had all these rules and regulations that were way above and beyond what it was supposed to be. Jesus answered them. And I love what he says here because um, he totally is going to throw them off here. Jesus answered them, have you never read? Which, I mean... The, the truth is Jesus knew exactly that they did read this before because they were Pharisees and they had read this. So he's like, dude, you read this, but you didn't really read it. So have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? In essence, he's actually rebuking them right here. He entered the house of God and taken the consecrated bread. He ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And then he also gave some to his companions So he's explaining to them, hey, this is, you know, like, I'm just kind of giving you another picture, and this happened before. And then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Everybody say the Son of Man. It's actually our sermon title. And the Son of Man here actually, it it does speak not just of Jesus being a Son of Man, but it actually indicates that he has divine origin and that there's more to Jesus than than there's said. Actually, it really kind of goes in the whole direction of... The Messiah. And so he's telling them, hey, this is who I am. And then the following story that we're about to read is almost like Jesus proving the point that, yes, I am the Son of Man. And and I love the way that he does this. Uh, This is a couple of weeks later, and it says, on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, which was normal for someone that was a rabbi, and he was about to teach and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand, and it's one of your fillings, whose right hand was shriveled. I find it really interesting that, once again, Luke is a doctor, and who cares whether it was right or left? Apparently, to Luke, this was important, and he said, hey, it was the right hand that was shriveled, and, uh, and that was not working. Some people actually believe that he was a mason and that, you know, he kind of jacked it up by doing some masonry work, and that's why he had it. And it says this in verse 7, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were looking to find a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him... Closely, The term watch there actually means to spy on. So they literally had people that would watch Jesus all the time to make sure that once he does something wrong, we're going to get him, and we're going to make sure that he is going to be out of the game there. So they were really, really uh, concerned about that and trying to get him. And I love what Jesus does. So Jesus right here, you have this story. There's a guy in the synagogue, and he is, his hand is messed up. And Jesus sees this, and Jesus wants to heal him yet he knows that he's being watched on, which in the first next verse we can read this, but Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand. And I love this. He knew what was going on. Just imagine this. You have people that are spying on you. They want to get you out. They want to get you when you're doing something wrong. Jesus knows everything that's going on. And then he turns to the guy and says, hey, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. That's crazy, right? You know that people are spying on you. And instead of going the corner and healing the guy in the corner so no one can see it, Jesus says, well, let me just take this as a moment to prove that I'm the son of man. He puts them right in the center and says, hey, get right up here. Everybody sees it. Now, everybody sees the guy who's got a shriveled hand. And then Jesus does this. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, the Pharisees, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? I mean, who wants to answer that question, right? You're going to tell them, well, you can't do any good. You can't save a life. No, no one is going to answer that because obviously that's kind of like one of those, well, you know, actually the way this was going on back in the day is that if someone did not have, have a life-threatening situation going on, they would literally not do anything to it on the Sabbath. That's actually what was happening. So in a sense, he's saying, hey, by the way, I know this is not life-threatening right now, but I'm going to do something about it anyway. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He does something about it, and he says this, he looked around them all and then he said to the man, again, he was in the middle, everybody's watching, stretch out your hand. Apparently, Jesus didn't get the whole memo that he had a shriveled hand, so stretching out your hand is a little tough when the hand is shriveled, right? So he's telling him that and the man just obeys and he did though, so and his hand was completely restored. And then the response of the Pharisees, but they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus isn't this crazy what Jesus really was doing here he was going back to chapter 6 because in chapter 6 we talked about Jesus said that he came to save those that were lost that he came to heal the sick and not call the righteous and really what he was saying here in in the synagogue is hey this is all part of the plan I came to save and to heal and God wants us to even do that on the Sabbath And I thought that was a really interesting point because when we tie it back in with evangelism, kind of just tying it all together, sometimes I feel like in evangelism, when it comes to healing and different things, we feel like we have the right to take a day off. See, it's important that we take a Sabbath, that we take a day of rest. But you can never, ever take a day off where you say, Holy Spirit, if there's somebody in need, I'm not going to do anything today because today is my Sabbath. But that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were doing so legalistic and they were so um, full of rules that they were like, no, we can't do anything good on on the Sabbath. Where Jesus is saying, well, let me change this all and let me put you guys back into the right perspective. It's good to do good on the Sabbath. Does that make sense to you guys? And then really in what he's doing is he is saying, hey, by the way, by me challenging you in front of everyone and saying, hey, come out here and stretch out your hand, he is really proving to them, I am the son of man. Because if I wasn't, Because the whole question is, by whose authority are you doing this? And he's like, by the authority of my father. And just in case you don't believe my words, let me show it to you in action. And he heals the guy right there on the spot. So he's proving to them, I am the son of man. And he's also teaching them something about the Sabbath. Now, where's that leaving us? I'm going to close it out right here. That's leaving us with two questions. Some of you guys need to ask yourself, am I keeping the Sabbath? Or am I not doing that? And when you're not doing that, in essence, you're breaking the Ten Commandments. So you think about that. And honestly, again, it's not for God's sake that we're keeping the Sabbath. It's for your sake because as we even so earlier, there's something powerful and there's some great benefits when we're actually resting. The second question that I have for you, if you're in this place tonight and you're saying, you know, I don't really know that this whole Jesus thing is, is true, I have a question that I want to ask you and that is this. Who is the Son of Man to you? Who is Jesus to you? And I think that's something that everyone needs to ask themselves at one point in their lives. Some of you guys, you've already done this. Some of you guys, you've never done this. And I want to challenge you that you take some time and really process that question. I'm not going to ask you to get saved tonight because um, that's not really the, the goal of tonight. But I want you guys to start thinking about, okay, who is the Son of Man? Who is Jesus really to me? And if you've never asked yourself that question, it's time for you to do that. Some of you guys, you've been in church your entire life. You were raised here at Liberty. But you've never actually asked yourself that question, who is Jesus to me? Is he just the guy that we talk about on Saturday night, or is he truly, really my savior? Is that just the thing that I say to get everybody off my back, or is he really my savior? Does he rule and reign in my life supreme? So that's the question that I have for you guys. Are you keeping the Sabbath tonight, and who is Jesus to you? Heavenly Father, I pray right now that those two questions will be something that we think on, that we process, and that we really kind of work through. And I ask that as we're doing this in our small groups tonight, God, that you would speak to us, that you would do something incredible, and we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. amen.